Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar, Make an Impact, ESG Investing for Tomorrow's Economy. I would like to introduce Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC from Cherokee Investment Services. A hobbyist beekeeper, John Kavaznik became a passionate advocate of bees five years ago. After researching the environmental impact of their dwelling population, since then, the longtime financial planner has become the expert in the room on beekeeping. It is his biggest passion, significantly boosting his commitment to environmental, social governance, ESG investing. A financial planner for 28 years and with Cherokee Investments since 1996, John is a regular guest on WCCO Radio. John earned a Bachelor of Arts in Speech Communication from the University of Minnesota. To learn more about beekeeping and ESG investing, check out John's blog on bankcherokee.com backslash investment. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our webinar. Uh, we're really excited to have the topic we have today in relationship to it's very timely and it's really brand new. And so a lot of people haven't really seen any of this data or heard any of the information. And so you're gonna be one of the first people to really be able to participate and learn about it and understand how the COVID-19 and the ESG investing are crossing paths and are tightly related. And so for today, I'm going to go through some slide presentations, but as Krista had mentioned, please feel free at any point when you have a question or you want something more clarified to go ahead and ask a question through the chat room, because I wanna make sure it's informational as well as educational, but it'd be better if we could answer questions that you have rather than just give you information that we think is important. So without, uh, Lady, uh, waiting any longer, I'm going to go ahead and start the presentation. And again, feel free to uh, chime in whenever you feel like you have an important question that you'd like to get answered. Um, today, uh, we're going to talk about the COVID-19 and the tread towards responsible investing. First, I just want to give you a little uh, information about the disclosure so everybody knows for the attorneys that we talked about that is, you know, everything we're doing today is not a bank account, it's not a guaranteed investment. And there's my contact information that you'll be able to utilize if you have an interest in following up, either by telephone or by email, just shoot me a message after the presentation anytime, and I'd be happy to follow up and answer any additional questions or give you more details on what we do in our business. So we're going to start today about the intersection between COVID-19 and responsible investing. And what a lot of people uh, don't necessarily take into account when they're doing their investing is something called the off-balance sheet risk. So if you look to the lower right-hand circle there where it says off-balance sheet risk, what they're really talking about is the non-financials that interact and re, uh, impact a business. And right now we're in a global uh, economic effects on the left-hand side there, there's a round circle. And then in the middle is the social, the S part for ESG investing. And if you look at the green circles, you can see the things that are what we consider off balance sheet, meaning that they're not financial necessarily, but they can have a big impact on how a business does uh, their, their uh, business, how they do uh, revenue and how they interact with their clients. And so if you look, we have air and water pollution and how much they create in that area as a business. We have maybe they're overusing natural resources and how they're monitoring that, their impact on climate change, their impact on economic inequality and how they impact that worldwide, and then their impact on making poverty uh, rise. And so when we look at how does the COVID-19 pandemic globally, and then how do the off balance sheet risk impact the business, that's what we're talking about where ESG investing and regular investing cross paths, but interact with the, the way that a company does business. 
So let's see what the agenda is today, the areas we're gonna cover. I'm gonna talk about how the COVID-19 impacts responsible investing and how companies lately have been responding to the pandemic. And then I'm gonna give you five key takeaways that you can use as investors to see how your portfolio and how your investments are taking these things into account and whether or not you might wanna make some adjustments or get more information. So COVID-19 impact on responsible investing. What does that really mean? Well, first place to start is we're gonna give a definition of what is responsible investing, right? So we need a strategy and a practice to incorporate into our investing that takes into account the environmental, social, and governance factors in an investment decision and have active ownership in how a business is doing that. So that's basically really what it is. It's an approach for us to invest that aims to incorporate those areas into our better, better investment decisions, right? So, so we can better manage our risk, generate more sustainable uh, society, and then have a better long-term uh, goal and long-term returns. So what is covered under the ESG factors? Well, we have the E for environmental, the S for social, and the G for governance. Under the environmental, we wanna understand how a business manages their energy usage and how they're maybe reducing it with solar or they're reducing it just in the way that they do business by adding areas that will reduce their energy use. We wanna talk about the environmental impact on their pollution and things that they're doing in their supply chains, how they're getting their product into the business and who they're using as vendors. We wanna talk about environmental impacts of their products, what happens with their products after they sell them and how do they get disposed of and how are people using them and what are they having the impact thereon? And then whether they're impacting climate change and helping or hurting that. So that's our environmental piece. So once we kind of cover that area, and today we're gonna to talk a lot about the social impact, right? And that is, are the products being made safely and ethically? Is there a supply chain human rights issue? Whether they're manufacturing in other countries or in factories that are not taking care of the people who are working there correctly? Is their consumer data secure? right, with all of the hacking and cybersecurity? Is there employee diversity? And are we taking care of our employees' health and safety while they're working for us? The other area we're gonna talk about is governance, the board structure and diversity, business ethics, and how they do their accounting policies and whether or not those are ethical and above the standards. So let's talk about the off balance sheet risk that I mentioned earlier. So even before the pandemic and before the virus, more investors were looking through at companies' practices and how they were dealing with off-balance sheet. And here's some of the negative headlines. You probably have seen some of them and you probably remember some of them, but we talked about BP pays a record $18.7 billion to settle claims for a Gulf oil spill. Volkswagen, who had to issue the apology for their scandal and cheating on how they did their emissions control. PG&E uh, out in California, the nation's biggest utility company, actually had to file for bankruptcy after the wildfires were created by the way that they had their business practices. Uber had to pay $4.4 million for sexual harassment at work. And it goes on and on. You can see Purdue Pharma knew its opioids were widely used and abused. And again, they still sold them. So we have to think about that. These are the off balance sheet risks that our portfolio might have. And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we could understand what those are and analyze those before we actually invested our portfolios in companies to figure out if this is how they do business or if this is the way they're doing things. So let's talk a little bit about how some of these take place. So the UN sustainability goals, many of you may have already uh, heard of them. There are 17 of them that were created in 2015. And a lot of these goals are what the criteria are and what the formula is 
for deciding if we're being environmental, social, and governance in how we do our portfolio. And they, really, this is an expectation that by 2030, that we'll reach these goals. And that's kind of the idea that we want to have no poverty, zero hunger, good health, quality education, gender equality, you know, the rest of the list goes on. So this is really the basis for what we're trying to say is here's what we're using as a litmus test. Can we get to these goals in 2030 that the UN came up with, but also can our investment portfolios mirror those and maybe take those into account at the same time that we're trying to make a profit on our portfolios and have a return on our investment. So let's talk about the different reasons that are fueling the demand for responsible investing in ESG right now. So of course the COVID crisis really sparked an interest lately, both from value-based investors and traditional investors. So we've seen a coming together where prior to this, if you had a value idea of what was important to you, it made sense to you to do responsible investing in ESG. Today, post-pandemic, while we're in the middle of it, and social injustice, we're seeing that traditional investors are also now coming into the fold and taking notice of the fact that this exists and that it may be aligned with what they would really like to see as well prior to the last couple of years where it was very values oriented based, not so much anymore. Now this is intersecting with our traditional investors. So let's talk about what that means. So the millennials have, have always most likely been the one that we're gonna take into account ESG and, and environmental and social issues. But what we're finding is that isn't always holding true anymore because the generation Xers and the baby boomers are also coming into the fold and saying, you know what? at least maybe I need to take this into account. And you can see from the percentages, right? 78% of the millennials uh, really like to have at least one ESG issue at the forefront and take that into account when they're doing their investing and 74% for the generation Xers and 68% for the baby boomers. So we think about it, it's really now crossing all categories of culture age-wise and uh, generation-wise, and it's really coming into the forefront. So I just wanted everyone to see that it's not just a, a young person activist idea. It's everybody can be involved. And by these numbers, you can see everyone is starting to really realize it and get involved. So let's talk about what that means. So the growing trend, if we go back to 2016, this is showing us how many funds were available out there for you and I as investors to take advantage of in the ESG factor realm. And it just has really blossomed from 2018. You can see it started to take some grounding. And in 2019, it has exploded to over 500 uh, funds are available that are saying they're taking into account some sort of ESG criteria and the way that they're managing their portfolio. So it's just a, a fantastically amazing, interesting story that from 2016, when we had less than 50, to explode over 500 that are available, which tells us what people are looking for when they're looking out their portfolios and trying to invest, but how important they believe ESG has become in making those decisions. So here's another example of the amount of money that's flowing. So if you look back in 2009, you can see there was less than $10, $10 million flowing into ESG funds. In 2019, we have $20.5 billion flowing into ESG funds. It's just exploded beyond belief in the amount of money that people are now directing towards ESG. And one of the reasons that is, is because it's come more to the forefront, of course, with social injustice and the COVID-19 virus, but it also is really, people are interested in making sure that their investments match their values, but that their investments are taking these current events and current affairs into account and how it impacts the world 
and impacts them locally. So I just wanted to share that with the group. So let's talk about the recent headlines uh, and their positive idea of, hey, maybe this is really a good idea and maybe we should be thinking about this. So investment uh, representative magazine says ESG stocks prove their value during the COVID crisis. The COVID crisis reinforces value of sustainable investing. As the pandemic rages, ESG is a shining light. Now, ESG sustainable funds are weathering better the first quarter than conventional funds. And the major ESG investments are now outperforming the overall S&P 500, which is kind of the standard 500 companies uh, that are trading publicly, right? So you can see the headlines are showing the industry media is saying, maybe you should take notice of this. And it looks like it actually is a good way to allocate our funds. We just make sure what we're doing and how we're doing it is appropriate based on what you believe in and how you would like to see that happen. And so here is really the factor, the risk management is an important factor. And so ESG provides that. And here are some of the uh, major companies, uh, CFA Institute, Morningstar and Bloomberg, who are doing all the data crunching and providing the information so that you and I as an investor can take advantage of is our portfolio really ESG? Is it really doing the things I think it's supposed to do? Is it taking into account those things, right? So when you go out there and you're trying to figure out, is this a place I'd like to place my money? We're gonna maybe use the data that Morningstar, Bloomberg, or the CFA Institute have created so you can really judge that there's a criteria that's being used and it's not just a marketing tone. So how are companies responding in the current COVID and how is that impacting the ESG investing? And that's what we're really trying to figure out is, are companies responding? And if so, who's doing what? So here we go. As a company faces greater scrutiny during the crisis, the ESG factors will now be key to the due diligence in evaluating an investment. So on a global basis, when we're looking at companies and how they're doing business and how they're working with their employees, we wanna know from a public health, from a social distancing, from the economy's downturn, from a pollution reduction, are they taking those things into account? We also wanna look at the company level and say, are you taking in your health and safety risk, your workplace productivity, your board and executive oversight and your operational disruption due to the virus or something of that nature that we didn't really predict. And then the last one there is the external stakeholders, right? We wanna know the supply chain. The stakeholders are maybe people who are providing us our product and our inventory and how are they creating uh, a plan and are they doing things that are appropriate during the pandemic? Right? We want to know how are the investors' returns uh, being taken into account? And is there government support in the global economies that are helping or hindering how these businesses are taking advantage or disadvantage of opportunities right now? So let's talk about how companies respond to stakeholders may affect their reputation and drive local value for years to come. Right? We have risks on one side and opportunities on the other side. So we want to know the length of the duration and the severity of the pandemic. That's our risk. How long are we going to be in an environment where we're not really sure what the end game is going to be, right? Or how we're going to come out of it or how long it's going to take us. And what we're asking is shorten the duration, the severity of the pandemic. So the opportunity is, is who's able to do that and take advantage of the opportunities to shorten that duration and make it less severe. And how are they going to do that within their businesses and therefore businesses that we may want to invest in, right? We want to know if they're going to have a significant financial loss based on the current environment. And the opportunity is, are they doing things to reduce that financial impact? And we wanna know what they're doing so that we can feel whether it's a place appropriate for our investing dollars now, or they're not doing a very good job of reducing that financial impact. And they're not taking that seriously enough. And therefore we wanna avoid those companies because it's, it's not an opportunity we wanna, 
You want to know if it's damaging their reputation. Is a company doing things that people don't feel safe about or people are not thinking they're taking this seriously enough when they're dealing with their employees? And we want to then enhance the reputation, right? We want to look for companies that are doing that. We want to say, are you doing things that are important in enhancing employee safety and enhancing the opportunity to do more business? That's an opportunity we want to understand. And within the environmental social aspect, we can very clearly be able to screen for that because we've already been doing that. So this will come through in the data. We want to know the opportunity of, are they minimizing the threats to people's life, health, and their safety? What are they doing in those areas? We want to know if there's a threat to the business continuity or continuity, right? Reduce the risk of interruption. If the government comes along uh, and does what they do to the restaurant and bar industry, is there a plan in place, right? If they tell us we're no longer able to open our doors, how is the company's plan to react to that? And we want to interpret that as, is that something we want to be part of? Or is that something they're not doing a very good job of? And we're going to rate them on that. So brand trust during the pandemic, that's really key, right? Here's an interesting statistic. So 90% believe brands must do everything they can to protect the well-being and financial security of their employees and their suppliers, even if it means suffering big financial losses until the pandemic ends. So that's the public, right? That's, that's what the public believes for brand loyalty, that they must do that. But 65 agree with this statement, how well a brand responds to the crisis will have a huge impact on, on my likelihood to buy that brand in the future. So now we have to take into account, okay, first we wanna know 90% of the people believe they should do something, but 65% agree that how they react and what they do is gonna have an impact on my likelihood to stay loyal and do business with that company in the future, right? And then 71% agree with the statement, brands and companies that I see placing their profits below people during this crisis will lose my trust forever. So almost three quarters of the people are saying they wanna make sure that it's just not about profits when there's a pandemic, right? Or we have a crisis. It's about taking care of the other issues that are really important, health, safety, and the employees' benefits and the, and the uh, customers' benefits and the customers' uh, safety. So you can see they might lose my trust forever if I don't take that into account. So these are the information and data that we're trying to study and make sure. So here we go, the rise of stakeholders in capitalism. So now that we know that these are things that people find important when they're doing ESG advising, and now we know that people find this is important in anything that they're doing business with uh, companies that they wanna know that's being taken place. Here's the companies whose CEOs have signed a statement on a purpose of the corporation. So you can see these are all our large Fortune 500 companies and they had a round table and they wanna decide you know, what is important in the way that we serve Americans, but also we're a business, we're here to make money, but we have to be able to ebb and flow with the current environment. So let's talk about it, pandemic responses tracked by the stakeholder, right? So the stakeholder is really looking at the workers, the customers, the community, and the shareholder. So we're all stakeholders in what's going on in a corporation, right? The worker wants to make sure all those things under the worker column that there's adjustments, adjustments to the hours if there's a pandemic, that they have some way to have dependent daycare, if they're closing stores or suspending service, how that's going to work, health and safety, hiring workers, if there's layoffs coming, if there's paid sick leave, relaxed attendance policies, remote work and modified schedules. So again, as an investor, we'd like to know as a company taking the worker's perspective into account when there's a crisis that comes along. And even before there's a crisis, we want to know is the company taking these things into account on the workers we have. But just as important, we also want to know, are they taking the, uh, the account of the safety and health and the well-being of the customers 
that are coming to their store or doing business with them, and also the general community. You want to know, are they helping the general community when there's a, a disruption to incomes and disruptions to how the community works by helping with community services and maybe food banks and uh, things of that nature? We want to know if they're doing corporate governance and they're making sure that they're interacting with the government and how they're doing things. So, and the shareholder is ultimately looking at the profitability, but we want all of these things to be taken into account. And that's what we're looking at when we're saying, hey, I think I'm going to invest in an ESG portfolio. This is what I want to know is going on. And this is the things I want someone to analyze before I put my good money towards an investment into a company stock. So let's talk about how largest US employers are treating stakeholders during the the pandemic, right? So you can see this is the percentages of the businesses that are actually making the adjustments in each of those areas. And really uh, health and safety at 69% is at the forefront. And that would seem to make sense when we're having a health related pandemic, but you can also see there's other areas that some companies are thinking more strongly about and some companies are less interested in addressing at the moment. So I'll just let you kind of look at that slide and see from adjusting the hours to having daycare, to having a community relief fund, you can see the corporations from the tracking of what percentages are actually taking this into account and what percentages are not really uh, taking it into account and they don't see it as a risk. However, that's what we're trying to evaluate. We're trying to say off balance sheet things of these nature. How can we evaluate if the corporation is correct in their assessment of taking it into account uh, or if they're incorrect and in not taking it into account? That's what we're gonna try to figure out. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Corporate preparedness and resiliency for other adverse events. So we wanna look at how a company excels at managing the impact of the C-19 or the COVID-19, but we also wanna know how are they doing other things once the crisis is over? And is it in their culture as a business to worry about the off balance sheet events? And how are they prepared to do that, right? So we want companies that might look at all the stakeholders, companies that invest in their employees and companies that protect, protect the uh, value chains and how they're getting their supplies and where those are coming from. So let's talk about it. Companies avoid over leveraging their balance sheet. We wanna make sure that they're not leveraging up their debt so that they're not gonna be sustainable. We wanna look at more loyal, engaged workforce. If I invest in my employees as a company, that might be a positive. So let's see if that's what's going on in the businesses that we're gonna invest in. And we wanna know if they're protecting their supply chain. Less disruption will help the economy keep going so where are they getting their products and services from that they're selling to their consumers and their clients? And is that gonna get disrupted or do they have a plan or a way to avoid having it disrupted to extreme extent? So let's talk about the S in ESG and what is driving the re resiliency and innovation, right? So the S is the social aspect and on a social aspect from an employees, from a customers, from the suppliers to the community, we want to analyze these areas and see if the businesses are taking into account and at what level are they taking this into account and what are they actually doing in these areas so that we can evaluate if it's a company that has values that we agree with and if it's a company that is really addressing their off sheet uh, balance sheet issues and that's what we want to be able to judge and we want to be able to evaluate we want to know about wage premiums whether they're paying people extra because they're exposed to the virus are they giving extra time off we want to know if customers are able to have special things like curbside assistance, and they don't have to go into the businesses, special hours for the elderly, you know, waiving home delivery charges. We wanna know if the suppliers are forcing companies to pay in full, or if they're saying this is a little bit of a different area, let's cut a little bit of slack and let a business have a little extra credit so that they can continue 
We want to know all these ideas into the equation for us to be able to evaluate is it socially responsible in the way that a company is doing business and how are they addressing this and is that something we want to then include in our portfolios. So I'm going to apologize for this slide because I didn't make the slide because it's three male CEOs and I really felt when I saw this slide uh, it doesn't really do just to what we're talking about but I'm going to present it this way because it has some wonderful quotes but just know that I also would feel like I would like to see a female in the mix. And unfortunately, that's not the case with the slide uh, as part of the presentation. So, um, so how you treat your employees today will have an impact on your brand in the future, less than any amount of advertising and anything you do literally you could do, right? So that's Mark Cuban, very wealthy billionaire, owns the Dallas Mavericks, has tons of businesses. Um, these are big CEOs and they see that is really important, right? The CEO of Microsoft, if everyone does something that makes the world a bit better, our collective work will in fact make the world a better place for people we love, for our communities and for society. And the Starbucks CEO has his quote. So you can kind of see the CEOs of these major corporations, uh, they get it. They understand that it's important to take the social aspect into what's going on in the current environment. And then they want to convey that to you and I as an investor, because we could be a shareholder or a supplier or a customer. And so that's really what we're trying to analyze you know, as an investment advisor is how are these companies reacting and what are they really saying is going on out there? So let's have five takeaways that you can use uh, after today's presentation as an investor yourself and what you should, should be taking into account, right? So corporate preparedness and resiliency in managing the off uh, balance sheet risk are consideration we need to take into account. Again, off balance sheet risk. So businesses, investment, decision-making. Uh, treat workers and other stakeholders well. Use resources to prepare for the climate change. Identify, measure, and balance off balance sheet. And navigate the company through the COVID-19 crisis. Okay. So again, we want to make sure what is their culture? What is the way that they're doing business in these areas? And then we want to be able to evaluate, is it aligned with what we uh, also believe in? Or is it aligned in a different direction? And therefore, we might want to avoid investing in that company's stock. Let's talk about takeaway number two. So companies that are resilient and have demonstrated a history of balancing the needs of stakeholders will attract more investors, right? So are they have disaster preparedness? Do they have a continuity plan? Do they have fairness to their employees and their supplier and the way they treat them? And do they balance the needs of all the stakeholders that we talked about, not just the shareholders, but everybody involved in that corporation and the way that they're doing business? We wanna look at that. That's our takeaway number two is, can they demonstrate that, that they have that in order and that they're addressing that? All right, so takeaway number three. So a, a robust ESG research process is really key to identifying resilient companies based on how they manage their material risk and their opportunities. So what do we mean by that? Well, we're gonna give them a grade and we're gonna give them a grade on their uh, different areas for E for environmental on the left there, S for social and G for governance, right? And we're gonna say under the environmental, do they have a lot of carbon emissions? Are they using a lot of energy to manufacture? Or are they using a lot of energy inefficiently? What is the life cycle of their products and where does it end up when the consumer's done using it? Are they emitting a lot of toxic emissions? So we're gonna take that into account and then we're gonna give them a grade. We're gonna look at their social. How are they uh, using their human capital development? Are they helping their employees get further ahead in, in the corporate world and in their personal lives? Or are they hindering them, right? Are they protecting the data and your, your privacy and mine for the cyber attacks and the cybersecurity, or are they being very lax? So we also wanna know how are their products quality and safety? 
their diversity in their workplace? And is it a safe place for their workers to actually be? And we wanna grade that as well. And then we wanna look at G, the governance. How is the board of that institution or the board of that business uh, structured? And is that diversity in the board and diversity also not just gender, but ethnic diversity. So that you get a lot of good cross-reference on what's the best way to be doing business and the best way to uh, interact with people. We wanna know if there's any corruption in the way that they're getting their product and services. And then we wanna give them an overall score, right? And then we have kind of different categories down the middle there. If they're in consumer finance, if they're an industrial business, or if they're in the applications or software business. And each of those industries will have an easier time in some categories than others. You know, so that's how we get our grades, right? If you're in the manufacturing business, it might be hard not to have some emissions and carbon uh, footprint, but if you're in the applications and software business, it might be very easy. And so we're gonna grade each of those areas and we're gonna put that into the mix based on how the company does business. And then our takeaway is gonna be is, how is their score? Are they doing better than average? Are they doing uh, in the top 10%? Are they doing in the bottom 10%? We wanna take all this and give them a grade. So that's the takeaway. We want to put the ESG process to work and see how that individual corporation is doing and whether they're in these categories as a whole, but how do they work across all spectrums. Takeaway number four. So the pandemic highlights the need to continue engagement with companies for the long-term shareholder value and positive global impact, right? So we talked about these areas, but we want to talk about health, inequality, consistency and disaster planning, energy and natural resources, diversity of their human uh, capital, which is basically their employees. And if they're affecting climate change in a positive or negative, or they're addressing it in a way to try to improve how they're impacting that on a global basis or even on a local basis, right? And the fifth one, as a result, you know, responsible investing is likely to become the norm. So here's a quote from the CEO of Calvert, which is a very large money manager in the ESG environmental social governance realm. And companies that perform well right now, serving their customer, employees, and communities will benefit in the long run, winning the customer's support and loyalty. Those that perform poorly, on the other hand, are likely to find that the customers have long-term memories long after the crisis is gone, right? So again, we're finding it come to the forefront and uh, we can make a decision on that, but it's not just about the current environment that we're concerned about. We also are concerned about post-crisis and going longer term and sustainable. So take that into account, but think about this quote from the CEO that how companies are reacting now and what they're doing in the current environment is an indication of how the consumer and how the investor might really think about them in the long run and not just a short-term memory. All right, so I think that uh, completes our formal presentation. I would say, you know, talk to a financial advisor, uh, contact uh, me and talk to me, uh, talk to our office if you want additional information, if you feel like this is a good alignment. Um, but remember, aligning your portfolio with your goals and values is key. That's what the ESG is all about, not just allowing it to be invested uh, in things that you aren't understanding or that you may not agree with from a values perspective. You know, Understanding the role of responsible investing can play in the long-term financial plan. We can see a lot of portfolios in today's world that don't have fossil fuels and don't have some of the uh, nuclear weapons, they're doing just fine, right? Uh, so you can take into account, maybe you don't like weapons, uh, gambling, alcohol, tobacco, and find out that your portfolio is not going to lag because you decided to include uh, companies that don't utilize those, right? So it's not only an exclu excluding companies, 
we're in a new realm where we're actually looking at companies that we want to include based on what they're doing in a positive effect, not just what companies are doing things negatively, right? And then we're going to build a portfolio with responsible investing in mind and take into account the three factors, right? Environmental, social, and governance. So if anyone has a question, uh, I'd be happy to open it up and you can type in a little uh, chat question and we could answer any questions people may have. Um, but I think that's kind of what I wanted to cover today to give you a really good basis for what the ESG realm has to do. So. We have a question about um, what companies there are. Um, our listener commenting that it sounds like there's a lot more options than they used to be. There just used to be a couple of companies providing ESG. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so that's a great question. And so you saw from one of the slides where we talked about now there's over 500 uh, funds and uh, availability for us to invest in the ESG realm. It also is opened up the door as far as how many corporations and businesses are able to be taken into the fold. And why that's happened and why that's a great question, even though I hate to say it's a great question, it is a great question, is the data is out there now. Right, so we're gathering the data, we have the technology, we have companies that are being really pressured and forced to report that data to us. In the past, they were not, and therefore, we're able to evaluate now and make a judgment. Are they really polluting? Are they really doing anything about global warming? Are they really uh, taking care of their employees? We have the data and we have the technology to gather that data, and we never did before. So that's exactly right. Previously, we had very limited opportunities to invest in companies. We didn't have the data. Um, it wasn't as popular, so therefore the, the pressure for these companies to get shareholders wasn't there. But now you can see with over $20 billion invested in ESG category, uh, companies are taking notice and they're deciding they better show the data to us so we can evaluate them. And therefore their behavior and their culture is moving in a direction that will then align with hopefully what we're trying to do. So yeah, thank you very much for that question. That's really true. Any other question that we might have would be a good time now to go ahead and ask that. Okay. Well, again, I want to thank everyone uh, for tuning in today. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity to share with you a way for you to learn and get educated on what ESG is. And maybe hopefully you're going to take advantage of that and incorporate that into your portfolio. If you'd like additional information, uh, we're going to send out the slide presentation to everyone who attended today. Um, you can give me a contact uh, if you want to call. I think the number was up there earlier, but you can reach me at my phone at 651-398-7768, or you can email me at uh, J, the letter, and Kvasnik, K-V-A-S-N-I-K, at securitiesamerica.com, uh, or you'll find us on the Bank Cherokee website, and you can get all the contact information there. And I would just like to say thank you again for attending, and hopefully you'll uh, attend a future uh, webinar, or you can give us a call if you have additional information you'd like to learn. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. 
That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kovacnik, CHFC, registered representative, advisory services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc., Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.